Welcome to the Boys of Summer. This is episode number 75. I'm Gene Gums. Pleased to be joined. Paul Arnold is back from Parts Unknown and uh, along with Eric Braun. I'm glad you could join us, Paul. Thank you. Where were you last uh, last episode? We really missed you. Well, uh, it's that most happiest place in the world, according to Disney's own self-promotion. I was there with my grandchildren and my son, and I will tell you, the Star Wars new ride, The Rise of the Rebellion, was phenomenal. The best ride I've ever ridden on an amusement park. So, folks, you got to go if you're near there. Yeah, I'd say I have always told the kids that I would never go to Disney because I refuse to go on a vacation where uh, most of it has been standing in lines. But the Star right. Wars thing has like, got me waffling on that. Of course, they're in their 20s now, so they probably don't care quite as much as they used to. So, so it'll just be me and Amy. <laughs> I've been to, I've been to Disney probably 15 times in my life. Wow. Um, well, because we, uh, when I used to uh, work in universities, we used to have our spring training for baseball down in Orlando. So we used to go to Orlando, play a bunch of games down there. So on our off day, I would always go to Disney. Um, and I, I grew to hate it. <laughs> just because <laughs> Did you punch it, well, Mickey or something? No, no, no. It's just the number of people. And, and like Eric said, the standing in line thing. But then I went to Disney with my daughter. She was five years old at the time. Completely changed my view of Disney World, at, you know, because it once you see Disney through a child's eyes, it changes everything. And it actually makes you feel a little bit better that you just spent uh, the gross national product of a couple <laughs> of small countries for a vacation. The key is to go early and leave early before everybody has meltdowns. So there you go. Uh, I was going to say, I was, I, well, unless the key is to go early and leave early before they start taking your money, it's still a pretty expensive vacation. Yeah, the best T-shirt I saw was the most expensive day of vacation ever. On somebody's t-shirt so yeah it's, it's absolutely true all right so let's get away from the happiest place on earth and uh, get to uh the other happiest place on earth and right now that would be the city of atlanta georgia where the atlanta braves or as i like to call them america's team <laughs> is playing the evil empire which is in this case is not the new york yankees it's the houston astros and guys, this is probably the first time in my life, maybe not the first time, but pretty close, that I have rooted for a National League team in the World Series when my team wasn't in it. Being an American League fan, I always root for the American League team. I can't do it. Uh, and, and Eric, I'm sorry. I know you live in the Houston area. I'm sorry. But to me, it, it, and I know that the cheating thing was in 2017. My wife said to me the other night, when are you going to get over it? <laughs> right? And I said, I'll tell you when I'm going to get over it. When every SOB that was on that team that cheated is no longer on that team. <laughs> oh, is that why Alex Cora gets a pass? Uh, no, I'm no, 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 no. You, oh. no I'm I'm not happy with Alex Cora either. Hang on. <laughs> okay. Oh no, no. Right. hang on. Here's the thing. Alex Cora got suspended. He right. Did. The yep. general manager got fired. AJ Hinch lost his job. They got punished. The players that were doing the cheating, not one of them got suspended. And I know it's because of the players union, uh, regardless, they didn't get suspended. There was no fines. There was no nothing. And they were arrogant about it, you know, and that's the problem I have. When you have had guys going in front of the media, guys like uh, Bretman and Correa and saying things that they showed no sense of humility, no sense of, oh my God, we did something wrong here. That's why I have the problem. So until all those knuckleheads are gone, I'll never be able to root for the Houston Astros. 
How about that? Well, we've, we've, we've managed to get past it here in Houston. So, <laughs> well, of course, well geez, we're happy. Shock, we're happy. Shocking. We're happy to take your hate. It makes us stronger. Yeah, but I mean, can you understand though, Eric? And I, and I, and I mean, I understand that you live there and, 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 and everything, but can you understand why people, not just me, I, and I'm, I'm mild compared to some people. I mean, mm. but can you understand why the hate is still there? Oh yeah. I didn't. I mean, it took me a while to come around. I finally did. I just, you know, there's plenty of players I like, and I'd love Dusty Baker. Um, See, I do yeah, like Dusty. So, I'll give you that. I, yeah, I'll give um, you that. Yeah, Correa is. Yeah, he 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 is not my favorite. So I, I'm sort of rooting for the uh, for the Astros in spite of Correa. But yeah, <laughs> I've 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 moved on. I mean, it's probably easier for you, Paul, because like me, we've got one of the former uh, perpetrators. Uh, in our camp with the, you having AJ Hinch up there in Detroit, you know, and, and, but you know, the thing I liked about, and you, and you mentioned Alex Cora, Eric, and I know you kind of said it tongue in cheek, but one of the things about Alex Cora is, is the amount of remorse that this guy has shown. If you've listened to his press conferences and he says, Hey, we screwed up and I have to live with that every day, you know, and he has been very reticent, uh, or, or, or very, uh, very humble and, and very taking ownership of what happened there. And so, I don't give him a pass, mm-hmm. but I can appreciate the way that he has approached it. How is how has AJ Hinch approached it in Detroit? Um, he addressed it right away, and he hasn't addressed it since. You know, he, right in the first couple of news conferences, he addressed it, and then he's moved on. And I think that's appropriate at some point. Um, I don't know about Eugene, but I just never can think of the Astros as an American League team. I grew up with them all my life being National League, and so when I see the World Series, I'm like, wait a second, this can't be the National League Championship Series. This can't be the World Series. I feel like they snuck into the American League, those dogs, to take away our pennants, to take away our World Series. It belongs to the American good guys, not the National League cast-offs. All right, that's, I got it off my system. <laughs> But, you know, maybe and, and the thing with Cora and probably one of the reasons why he's had to talk about it more is because uh, they ended up playing the Houston Astros in the ALCS. So naturally, you know, it's going to be brought up all the time and he can't run from it. I'm sure he'd love to. But well, he, can't and he was he was, you know, really involved in it, too. It wasn't oh, oh, like he, uh, absolutely. Right? So, yeah. you know, and I think part of the deal, I, I think the Astros, I think it helps for, for Cora and Hinch. To you know, they're sort of away from the fray, but people have been dumping on the the Astros. You know, they, at first they were you know um, apologetic, except for the notable exception being Korea. Um, but you know, they they were fairly apologetic, and said a lot of them said the right things. Um, but you know, they go to town after town after town, and people are yelling at them and throwing at them and fans are throwing stuff at them. You know, after a while you circle the, the wagons and you're just like, I oh, look, we're not sorry anymore. We've, we've, we've paid our price. You need, you know, fine. If you hate us, you hate us. We're just going to go out and play great baseball and see what happens. Um, so staying on America's team, um, <laughs> I hope this works just like it's worked for the, um, for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um, Eddie Rosario, uh, talk about a guy, an unlikely hero, really, for the Atlanta Braves in the NLCS. I mean, you know, kind of like Kike Hernandez was for a while with the Boston Red Sox in the American League playoffs. I mean, uh, you know, this is a guy that Minnesota decided they wanted to move on from. So he signs with Cleveland. 
Cleveland trades him to Atlanta and look at what he did. I mean, look at what the Braves did. And again, we've talked about this a little bit before, but what Alex Anthopoulos did there in Atlanta after the loss of Marcelo Zuna, after the loss of Ronald Acuna Jr. to bring in what he brought in. And when you look at these guys that he brought in midseason, Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, and Jorge Soler, and all four of those guys have been front and center in not only the end of the regular season, but in the playoffs. I mean, it is pretty remarkable when you look at what he's done and, and to have a guy like Rosario step up, step up the way he did. Yeah, that's, you know, the thing with the with the pickups that they made. I mean, they didn't really land any huge names, right? None of the names that everybody was getting all fired up about. But the ones they picked, man, they have done well and have really propelled them, um, especially considering, you know, all the injuries they had this season. They really made the right choices, um, you know, when the, at, at the free agent deadline. Yeah. Um. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, I was just saying, Eddie Rosario, I could have picked him out of a lineup before he played for the Braves. I mean, I don't always track yeah. the outfielders like you do, but to have a general manager to see something in somebody that, you know, you know, that he could come through in a new environment, does that say more about Eddie Rosario or the clubhouse in Atlanta? Well, I just, I think it, well, look, here's the thing. Anthopolis is, is, has a history of being a, a great executive. But the other part about this is, you know, you might not have been able to pick him out of a lineup, but Eddie Rosario is a guy that hit 33 home runs for the Minnesota Twins. You know, this isn't a guy that is some kind of stiff. You know, this is a guy that's got a track record of, track record of being able to play. They just had such a log jam and so many young kids in that Minnesota uh, batting order and, and outfield that they needed, they felt that they needed to move on from him. And so, you know, I think it says I think it says more about the Cleveland Indians that they are willing to part with them. You know, I mean that's a, the Cleveland Indians needed all the offense they could get, and and yet they traded this guy away. I, I mean, I don't know who I don't remember who they got for him, but man, I hope he turns out to be pretty good because otherwise they're going to look really foolish. Mm. Um, but right now, the hero for not just America's team, <laughs> but <laughs> but for all of baseball for all time, this guy is now on my Mount Rushmore of guys with big onions. Right with Schilling? Charlie Morton. Yeah. Charlie Morton last night takes a shot off of his shin and stays in the game. He's in pain. He stays in the game. He throws 16 more pitches. He finishes an inning, comes back out for the third, and strikes out Jose Altuve with what we come to find out is a broken leg. And then after the game, he apologized for not being able to stay in the game longer. <laughs> oh, man. 16 pitches, three outs, including a strikeout with a broken leg, and he's apologizing. This guy, not, oh, by the way, he went to high school in Connecticut. He went to <laughs> Joe, Barlow high, Joe, Joe Barlow High School about an hour from here. He's from New Jersey, but his, his family moved here to Connecticut. Uh, so he went to Joe Barlow High School in Connecticut and played his high school ball here in the state of Connecticut. So we own a piece of Charlie Morton. And uh, although I'm not going to be a Connecticut resident for much longer, uh, we own a piece of him. And he is now my hero because you, you want to talk about how tough hockey players are or how tough football players are. This guy pitched on a broken leg. <laughs> 
So I hate to be a little bit of a wet blanket oh, you know, yeah. on, on America's team okay. here. And, you yeah, know, yeah. and I know we're, we're immortalizing people. But, uh, yeah, they're saying that apparently he heard a pop. That's what um, – on the last pitch he threw. So the thing that may have actually not been broken while he was pitching, but that he uh, – that it, like, injured – Injured it and then it may have may have broken um, uh, on that last pitch. Just I don't know if it weakened it or or whatever. That's what um, Freddie Freeman said in his press conference. So he had he had he had talked to him after the game and that's and that's what he had told him. And and that's also what Snitker was kind of alluding to in the in the uh, uh, post game press conference that they they weren't sure that he was actually pitching on a broken leg at the time. I obviously it's a very cool story and. Um, it was obviously deeply injured and he's toughed it out, but, uh, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, it, just bring a little realism back here. Yeah, to, what city to do you live in? You know? love. <laughs> I'm back. I'm here in Houston. Yeah. yeah just, you know, if, if that, if that had been, if that had been Justin Verlander, you would have said, a, <laughs> you would have said a bone was sticking. Out of his head. <laughs> yes. I'm just That's saying, true. yeah, but uh, that I, look, regardless, that was, uh, you know, pretty incredible. I just love the fact that he apologized afterwards. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah, I mean, come that's on. Great. You know, that's like, remember, and it, it isn't quite this, but and it wasn't quite as horrific, but do you remember years ago when Dave Dravecki was pitching? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 And he broke his arm oh, throwing a pitch. Oh, yeah. man. I will never oh. forget that and the Joe Theismann broken leg for the oh, Washington Redskins uh, may be the two most horrific injuries I have ever personally personally witnessed. You know that I watched. I was watching the game when it happened. Uh, Those got to be the two worst things I've ever seen. So I mean, so Charlie Morton. I mean, you know, all right. I mean, it's still pretty tough. But man, it was nothing compared to what those two guys. Those are the two worst I've ever seen. So it uh, matter of re- fact. Matter of fact, when Theismann got hurt, I almost threw up. I think. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. horrible. That was because they kept well, they kept they kept showing the replay. Wow. <laughs> you know, I don't know who that director was in the truck, but mm. it must have been a, like a horror movie fan or something. We're gonna need to slow this down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's do, let's do this one in super slow mo. So, so I know uh, both you guys are professional broadcasters, sport reporters, all that good stuff. I for a brief season of my life, I actually was paid to do color announcing for a high school football team down in Richmond, uh, North Carolina, um, Richmond County. And one year I was in the booth, the next year they put me on the sideline. And one of their best players got injured. I went over and talked to the trainer and I said, how's he doing? He said, oh, he took a shot to the ribs, but he doesn't have any internal bleeding. (laughs) And I went, okay. So they, (laughs) they threw it to me on the sideline. I said, oh, Joe James is doing pretty good. And, uh, Thankfully, he has no internal bleeding. And Austin, the, the <laughs> producer in my ear, goes, internal bleeding? What in the blank are you talking about? You don't say that on the air. <laughs> so that I, that was my second and last year of doing broadcasting. Not because of that. But anyways, uh, you know, when I saw what happened with Morton, I thought he probably injured it, and it got worse as he kept on pitching. And mm-hmm. There's times where it's just meant to be for a team to win. I know, Eric, you might want to turn off your headphone right now, but you know when the Again. yeah the Dodgers <laughs> were you know losing Eckersley's on the on the mound and they bring Gibson in who's just hobbling yeah. along. He gets up there, it hits the home run, doesn't play the rest of the series, 
But based on that momentum-breaking moment where somebody showed courage and just inspiration, I mean, if you saw the press conference yesterday after the Braves win, you saw the other players saying, wow, you know, Morton is their Captain America. I mean, they didn't say that, but they're just really looking up to that guy and getting a lot of inspiration, and they're really believing it. They're really feeling it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ride that train all the way to a world championship for the Braves. That's what I'm thinking. You know, I, I know it's only game two, but when you look at this, if you're the Houston Astros, to the game two is a must win, is it not? I mean, you can't go to Atlanta down two games to none. Now, I mean, I know Atlanta, you know, the one thing with Morton, the, the, you know, the whether it was broken immediately or whether it was broken later aside, fact of the matter is the Atlanta Braves now aren't going to have him for game five or game six. Right. Which is going to be, you know, that has to be a little bit of a concern. But still, if you're the Houston Astros, you know, after watching your uh, your number one guy get torched last night and then knowing that you've got Jose Urquidy going to the mound in game two and the fact that Urquidy got lit up by the Boston and Red Sox for six runs and ending in two thirds. Uh, if you're if you're Dusty Baker and the uh, Astros, the pucker factor has to be a little high tonight, don't you think? Yeah, I no, I, I do think that home field advantage in baseball is, is overstated. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of home home field advantage there, but uh, yeah, the thing is for the Astros to win after dropping game one, um, it's, they really need to get to game five or six. They need, need to stretch out the series on the Braves so they can get into, you know, you know, miss another, um, you know, road, you know, spot in the rotation there. Um, so, yeah, I, to me, it, it, I, I never want to say it's a must win, uh, because a lot of teams have come back from O2, but it's, uh, you know, to make things go a whole lot smoother, they definitely need to come out tonight with a win. Well, you know, the other thing too, is that we, we talk about Morton not pitching, but Houston also doesn't have Lance McCullers who, right. who got yeah. hurt. And so he's out as well. So this may end up being, uh, we get to game six and seven, you know, this is just going to be uh, a battle of attrition and it may come down to the bullpens. It could be yeah, bullpen games. Yeah, it really could be. Yeah. And that's scary for the Astros because the, uh, uh, their bullpen has been up and down, but yeah. the, uh, uh, but the Braves bullpen is really, they've, they've come, you know, in postseason, they've been very, very, very strong. So yeah, that's, that's probably if there's an advantage there, um, for pitching now that you know if the field has been evened a little bit with both of the staff aces uh out i think uh, you got to give the lean on the pitching staff to to the braves uh, by the way to your point about the home field advantage mm -hmm. do you really do you know what the last game last team to win a home game in the world series was <laughs> los angeles dodgers the 18 inning game back in 2018 against the red sox oh really and in 2019, the road team won every game in that World Series. Yeah. And in 2020, of course, it was neutral site, right? Because of COVID. Oh, so right. yeah. so right. the last home, and, and so, and we're over one in this series. So the last one was the Dodgers in game three of 2018. Oh, wow. That's pretty so, amazing. So, yeah, it's been a little yeah. while. Yeah, there's a lot of concern. It's, this is so silly. Um, so, Manfred ordered the Astros to open the dome tonight. Yeah. And so the, the fans are upset that that's taken away the home field advantage because it won't be as loud. 
And the stadium, like, come on, you're getting really? to see a game. You're getting to see a game outside. It's actually a beautiful night here. Um, it's 72 currently. It's perfect weather for baseball. Oh, the oh shut down. up. <laughs> we had a cold front come through. A cold front by our standards. Uh, so you know, it's actually a, a perfect, perfect conditions for watching baseball outside. It's 40. So, it's 47 here. What is it in Michigan, Paul? 43. Oh, there you. You win. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I really win. <laughs> you know, um, the other thing, um, one of the reasons that I love baseball, you know, which I've never seen a sport where you, we actually can say, I've never seen that before. It seems like a half a dozen times during the year, we see things that have never happened before, right? Yeah. Yesterday was the first time in World Series history that a player opened the World Series with a home run. It's never happened before. Jorge Soler, when he hit that home run in the first inning last night, it was the first time any World Series has ever started off with a home run. I can't believe that. That really surprised me. It'd be too. That was the first, I can't we, believe that was the first what time. What are we happened. talking, 115 years of World Series, and that's the a first lot. time that's ever happened? That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. You know? And the other first that we had last night is that uh, last night was the first time that two players that had been acquired midseason homered in the same game for a team. <laughs> Oh, I mean, okay. I mean, first of first of all, my first question is, who sits around and thinks this stuff up? <laughs> that's amazing. But the second is, it's just it's that's one of the things that's great about baseball. We are always seeing something new. Yep. I mean, I never saw anybody pitch on a broken leg before. <laughs> even <laughs> Didn't though Bob Eric, Gibson do even, that? Did he? I think so. I know, but Kurt we, I Schilling, probably didn't see it. Kurt Schilling played on one that was bleeding. Right. I thought right. you were going there. Well, I had to. I know you did. <laughs> I had to. Pr- right. Listen to uh, previous podcasts to get the background story of that. Yeah. So. One last thing on America's team. And this this is... Oh, <laughs> Eric <Lassie. laughs> Come on. <laughs> and this one isn't a good thing. Um, with Game 3 will be, of course, in Atlanta. One of the things that rankled me watching the NLCS, and it rankles me every time I watch a Braves game, is the tomahawk chop. And not just the tomahawk chop, but that everybody is chanting in the stadium. And we went through this with the Kansas City Chiefs in football for years. Correct. You know They're still doing it. Yeah. It, it's got to stop, guys. Doesn't it? This isn't, you know, I mean, when you have... When you have Native American tribes all over the country and the, the, the national organization that, that is kind of represents all Native American tribes saying, stop it. And yet we have these organizations that won't stop it and encourage it. That's the worst part is, is it's not just it, this isn't just happening generically that the fans are doing it. The Atlanta Braves are encouraging it on the scoreboard and on their big screens to do it. Yeah, the Chiefs do, too. Uh, it's. It's uh, to me, it's just so lame because, you know, the the Braves stole it from uh, Florida State. I think Florida State is where it Seminoles. actually originated. Yeah, the Seminoles. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Braves stole from them, and then the Chiefs. You know, after uh, it's only been around since like the mid '90s for the Chiefs. You know, like after the Braves got hot. Right. Um. Uh. You know, so all of a sudden the Chiefs grabbed onto that. You know, it's just, I. I I'm not going to say that I get super worked up about it and, and Lord knows I've done it before. So I don't have a whole lot of room <laughs> to, to talk, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 
it's, it's lame. It's, you know, it's not really a Chiefs or Braves tradition. It is, I suppose, now, but it didn't start that way. Um, and, you know, hey, we, we all quit using the that Gary Glitter song, you know, when it turned out he was a pedophile. Right. So I think it's, you know, we, we actually can stop these things when we decide right. that it's um, not to, to taste. Now, it's going to be very, very hard, right? Because the fans will just do it. They, yeah, they don't need they don't need the team to encourage them. Um, uh, it's it'll be like the wave, which I would rather the wave got banned than anything. Else. <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue with uh, that either. Here. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah. So I think uh, if the teams would just stop encouraging it, maybe it would that would be better. I but think that's role, my thing. Yeah, that's what I want. I just want them to stop encouraging. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, the thing is. There is one tradition with the Chiefs, um, not to make this a, a football podcast, though with the Chiefs, you know, they make it a big deal at the start of every game. When they do it, they have like a big drum they roll out and they have like a local celebrity come out and do like beat the drum, like on the beat with the, mm-hmm. with the chop. Uh, so they would definitely, they would want to do, find something to do to, to replace that. And that's what it needs. It needs some sort of replacement. I don't know what that is. Uh, but, uh, but I don't get paid to find those things. Uh, oh, what do you got? What do I got? Well, I got a couple things. Sure, I'm just making sure you're still awake. I'm still listening. I'm listening and learning from you smart gentlemen. That's it. <laughs> um, you know, first of all, I heard from a good source that the Braves are considering going to just the brave and dropping the S and doing that at the same time, getting rid of the, uh, Tomahawk chop. Um, but then I don't know that, that's the other, weird. the other part is yeah. weird is that Cleveland Indians um, are saying they want to go to Guardians, right? Yeah, they are going. Gone. They are going. Yeah. yeah, they are. So when you first heard Guardians, what did you think? I actually thought of Guardians of the Galaxy. I was thinking about <laughs> Marvel, thought, like, but like, it turns, really? turns, yeah, it turns out it's a statues that they have on their bridges. Yeah, it's pretty cool actually. It's it's, it's a actually. pretty. Yeah, it's a pretty it's pretty neat symbolism. I actually like that they're doing. Uh, it. I, I'm lukewarm. The other part is. You know, I'm watching the Washington Football Club try to figure this out. And, you know, in overseas in the European soccer leagues, they just call a football club or uh soccer right. club or whatever, right. and they don't have a, a nickname. Is it an American right. thing that we have to have well, all these things? They have nicknames in the European, but they're, they're kind of unofficial nicknames, and it's more like the fans give them a, a name. Um, but it is, it is, it's very American. It's always been that way. But, but here's the thing. You know, and I'm not one of these people that's, you know, about this whole cancel culture and woke culture and all this other stuff. But here's the way I look at it. When you have when you have names and and traditions that are based on stereotypes. It's a problem when the when the when the uh, ethnic group that is the target of that stereotype is against it. This would be and and, and I'm not you know, we're not going to get into like name calling and coming up with it, but it would be like if there was some kind of a stereotype for African-American culture, if they did, if there was some kind of gesture or something and they, and they did that, or if they had African-American uh, derogatory names as nicknames for their teams, well, we wouldn't stand for that. So why is it okay to do that for native Americans? Mm. That's my point. You know, it's like, you know, uh, my, my wife's family is Sicilian and Italian. Uh, you don't see a team called the Washington WAPs, Right. Right. You know, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't have a team called the, uh, the New York mix, you know, because it's Irish people. So why is it okay to do that for native Americans? That's my point. 
You know, it's not, it's not, I'm not arguing whether, uh, you know, I, I actually don't have a problem with the nickname Braves, but the, but the Native American culture has a problem with the nickname Indians. And, and so I get that, you know, and if that's, and if that's, if they think that's derogatory, then why is it okay to continue that kind of thing through our high schools and our colleges and, and our professional sports and carrying over those stereotypes like the tomahawk chop? That's, that's my whole point. And I've rendered everybody silent. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. baseball is a great history, unfortunately, of, you know, being a little bit behind the times. I mean, uh, Red Sox could have had Roberto Clemente. They could have had Willie Mays, I understand, at one point. But Yaki said, no, nope, we're not going to do that. Um, not gonna hire, yeah, we're not going to. It was Pump, it was Pumpsy Green. Pumpsy was the Green. First, yeah, that was the first black player. that, And the Red Sox were the first team, to, or the last team, to sign a black player. Yeah, so it, we don't have always great history, but we can learn from it. And I like the idea that you're making that we have to be consistent, right? If, if we're going to treat everybody... You know, that this is not appropriate, you know. So I get that point. Um, and I wouldn't be sad to see the tomahawk chop go. I don't think it's key to what they're doing there. But I like what Eric said. Get something else for the get the players all excited. I love in Atlanta, don't they have the guy who runs fast against whoever has a challenger? Uh, the flash or whatever the, they call him? The streak or the flasher? Or, not streak. Is that, is that not, Atlanta? I thought it was Atlanta. It might be. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a, you mean like in Washington where they have the president's race. Yes, yes. And, <laughs> or in or the sausage or Milwaukee run. where they yeah the sausage, the sausage run. Race. Yeah, get you know, something I mean, that's fun like that. Yeah, I mean, and and th- that's my point. And you know, Eric, you're right. I mean, uh, the fans are still going to do it yep. if they want to do it. But the problem to me is that the team is still encouraging it, and then you have the moron commissioner of Major League Baseball saying, "Oh, it's okay because <laughs> the native because the Native American tribe around here has signed off on it." You come to find out that no, they haven't. They've just said they're okay with the nickname Braves because they don't think that has a negative connotation. But they but when the head of the organization comes out and says, "Yeah, but it's 2021. I think we can come up with something other than the tomahawk chop," uh, you know, then you might want to listen. Just right. that's just me. Just it's just an idea. It's just a thought. Gene, did you have and, a you know, favorite commissioner? Us? Sorry. Did I have a favorite commissioner? Yeah. Yes, actually, I did. Uh, Boot Goon. Uh, no, uh, Bart Giamatti. Oh, of course. And yeah. then Faye Vincent. I liked them both because I, met, I also met them both, which doesn't hurt. Um, yeah. But I thought that they, what I liked about them is they weren't shills for the owners. You know, the problem became is after Faye Vincent, they basically, you know, they hired one of their own as commissioner. Right. Right. And so after that, it basically just became, you know, you're no longer an objective party here. The commissioner of baseball to me should be objective. It should be a nonpartisan position. But the commissioner of baseball is, make no mistake about it, he is a de facto owner. And that's the problem I have. And I don't think, because of that, I don't think the commissioner of baseball always acts in the best interest of baseball on both sides. I mean, you ha- it has to be balanced between players and owners, and I don't think it always is that way. Mm. Just my opinion. Okay. And more crickets. No, no. <laughs> we're trying to give space to each other. We're, we're too nice. Yeah, See, nice. Eric and I are too we're nice. Too. We're just, we're loud. So Eric had a point. Go for it. Um, did I? Uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to get my favorite commissioner. I like, uh, I, as a Missouri native, you know, we, we have to be partial to uh, Branch Rickey. Um, 
Well, uh, actually, now we're going way back. Yeah, way back. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously for the reason of, you know, bringing uh, Jackie Robinson um, right. and working, get him into the big leagues. But yes. And also being a St. Louis guy. Speaking of St. Louis, they have a new manager. They do. That was a bit of a surprise. Hired their bench coach, uh, Carlos Marmol. He's only 35 years old. He's younger than Yadier Molina and uh, and Adam Wainwright. So <laughs> yeah. There's there's that. You know, and it's interesting. Nobody has really told us why Mike Schilt was let go other than it was philosophical differences. Right. You know, was it, I mean, I mean your, your wife's a Cardinal fan, so I imagine you're a little bit more plugged in. I mean, is it, yeah. was it, was it about analytics that he didn't want to use them or what was it? That does seem to be uh, at least a significant part of it. Um, yeah. That was, you know, talking to my wife about it. That's what she was saying that the, the chatter anyway, is that he just was not an analytics guy at all. And then I love him. To go. <laughs> yeah. It takes a blend, right? You get yeah. a little bit of analytics, a little bit of gut. Right. Right. Well, that's small ball. Brian Snitker's not uh, the manager of the Atlanta Braves is not an analytics guy. Yeah. He don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, and he's done. Okay. He's, he's done, done okay. all right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think Eric, I think you and I talked about this, the last one, when Paul wasn't here, but we talk about analytics and analytics will tell you that you should never bunt, right? right. You, you should never bunt except the Red Sox in the ALCS against Houston early in the series or, or maybe it was in the division series. No, it was in the division series against Tampa. They actually laid down a bunt late in the game. And if they hadn't laid down that bunt, they wouldn't have scored the winning run in the game. And yet, so, yeah. but analytics tells you, you should never bunt. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that, especially when you get into the postseason, it's those little decisions like that, that make a difference. And you've got to have that, those fundamentals solid and know when to do it. It's something you have to practice during the regular season or you'll, screwed up and there's plenty i mean look at the yankees and some of their terrible base running yeah. um you know at the end of the season and at the wild card game especially you know if uh yeah you just have to work on those fundamentals all year long or you know you're going to get into a situation where you need to push a run across and you're having no luck getting runners on base right that's why you do it you're struggling at the end of a game you've got to run around first and no outs but you haven't gotten anybody, you know, uh, into scoring position all game long. You got to got to start manufacturing runs. And if you don't know how to do that, and you don't know your personnel, um, and your personnel aren't good at, and your scouting isn't good at, you know, knowing when to run on a pitcher. You just, you know, you're man, you're a step behind. You know, one of the uh, uh, one of the things that I love about Twitter, which is the cesspool of the internet. Uh, but one of the things I love about it is these people that, that, that are fans of teams and they, they want to spout all this analytics stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the game in the ALCS, the Red Sox-Houston game, and it was a game that they're, uh, Houston ended up winning, but the Red Sox had an opportunity. I think it was in the fifth inning of the game. They had two on and nobody out. And these people that are all these analytics guys, all of a sudden are screaming for Hunter Renfro to bunt. Now, you know, again, analytics says don't bunt. But they want Hunter Renfro to bunt, and they start killing Alex Cora because Hunter Renfro doesn't attempt to bunt. Except when you look at Hunter Renfro's stats, Hunter Renfro's been in the league for seven years, and he has exactly zero sacrifice bunt. <laughs> yeah, so you know, he's no never had one. Yeah, he's never had one in his life. And to your point, Eric, if if you're not practicing that during the regular year, you're sure as hell not going to lay one down in the ALCS. Especially, by the way, when you've hit 30 home runs during the season. You know, uh, yeah, you let like, that guy swing. 
Yeah, that's like asking Babe Ruth to bunt. <laughs> you know, I mean, what? Well, not quite Babe Ruth, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's just, I, it, it's just nuts. It's nuts. But uh, one of the reasons I brought that up is Alex Cora has been getting killed for some of the things that happened in the ALCS because his team kind of fell apart against Houston. They had that 2-1 lead, and then mm-hmm. before you know it, all hell broke loose, and they were out. And uh, now Dave Roberts is catching a lot of heat in Los Angeles. You win 106 games and you can't even, you know, you can't beat a Braves team that was barely over 500. And what the hell's the matter with you? And so now we have two very high profile coaches taking a lot of heat, you know, for that. And and then you have, you know, and then you have other teams like the St. Louis Cardinals. And we talked about, you know, uh, they they fire their manager, despite the fact they made a great late season run to get into players. You would have thought that would have earned him another year and yet he's out of a job it's just it's it's got to be managing any team or being the head coach of any team has got to be the worst football what was it texas tech just fired their coach they're five and three you have a winning record and you got fired because you lost the game to kansas state you're up 14 points at halftime but i mean it's texas man it's crazy well, it's Texas. Yeah, well, yeah, no, sorry. What were we talking about, America's team? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Uh, before, with the big, we're going to end it talking about uh, uh, the impossible impending labor strike. But before we get to that, I want to bring up something. I, I saw this. It was in the Boston Globe. Um, they had a story in uh, Major League Baseball experimented with a pitch clock in uh, the low A West League this year. They had 316 nine-inning games using a pitch clock. The games were an average of two hours and 41 minutes. That's down. Then they had 91 games without a pitch clock. Those games averaged three hours and two minutes. So I ask you, when the average time for a Major League Baseball game this year was three hours and 10 minutes, when the hell are we going to have a pitch clock? I approve. If they're asking me, I approve of the pitch clock, except in postseason. I still think the postseason, you you, you get rid of it. But during you know the regular season? Yeah, but I don't think you'd need You know, that's the thing, Eric. I didn't mean to interrupt, but think about this. If you use a pitch clock all season long, you're going to get used to that rhythm. You right. won't. You Postseason won't matter. You can keep the pitch clock. It's not going to matter. The pitchers are going to be used to working in that rhythm. Yep. And so, you know, and that's the way they, hell, they all used to work that way when we were kids, you yes. know, back when, back when I still had hair, it was, you know, I mean, <laughs> I had, there were a lot of games that took under two hours because guys would get the ball and throw and that was it. Yep. Um, so what they did was it's 50, a 15 second pitch clock with the bases empty, 17 seconds with runners on base, 30 seconds between batters. Sometimes it takes a guy 30 seconds to walk from the uh, on-deck circle to the batter's box. And two, uh, two minutes and 15 seconds for half innings and pitching changes. Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. We can stop all this nonsense. The guys like touching every part of their uniform, adjusting their cup, adjusting their jewelry, uh, whatnot. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's gotten to a point where it's like guys are pimping up at the plate and on the mound <laughs> before we throw a pitch. It's so irritating. But there's a business model that says you don't want the game to go too fast because you need to sell more beer and food and souvenirs. And I can hear the owner saying, yeah, we want a little bit shorter, but don't make it too short. We want to get people buying lots of stuff. 
And that's part of the owner's perspective. And I think for TV, you're right. It's got to be shorter. But for the experience of being in the park, you know, last time I was in a big league park, it was in Detroit. I was just enjoying it. It was a nice sunny day. I didn't want it to go too fast. So, but on TV, it's way too slow. So that's the big difference. I don't know how you bridge those two, you know, desires. Well, the problem now is that people have the attention span of a gnat. What'd you say? Oh, they have the attention span of a gnat. Oh, yo, you're just a joke. Really, man? Oh, Sorry. Wow. It's and what time I, is it? And I fell, I fell for that, too. Um, the last time I was at Fenway Park a couple of years ago, uh, pre, pre-COVID, I sat in the stands and I watched probably 75% of the people around me were not paying attention to the game. They were looking at their phones. Oh, or they, no. Or they, or they were talking to somebody. They weren't watching the game. And my first thought was, you paid $75 for this ticket, and you're not even watching the game. What the hell is the matter with you? And please, can I have some of your money? <laughs> but, but, you know, that, that's the problem, I think, is that people don't – that's why it needs to be shorter, because people don't have the attention span, not to mention – Kids can't stay up and watch games at night because they're getting over. If they start at seven o'clock, they're getting over at eleven o'clock. Mm. You know that's the problem, and and that's and, and I think that's where it's eroding into the any chance Major League Baseball has of skewing its average fan base younger. Because right now, ladies and gentlemen, I think I'm probably the average age of the average Major League Baseball fan at sixty-one. <laughs> I'm serious. You know I, that's what worries me is that we're alienating. Uh, the uh, younger generation because of the game times and how long it takes. Mm. And how many people take up a significant part of my summer? Yeah. How many people were keeping score in the stands when you went to the last Red Sox game? Uh, That would be, I did not see one. Wow. Well, yeah, no, I did see one. You, me. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I didn't see anybody that used to be like, you know, especially when I was a kid. Oh my God. Every kid did that. Yeah. Right. When you yeah. went to it, nobody does that. Now, matter of fact, if you put, I tell you what, you could bribe a kid and say, I'll buy you a PS five. If you, if you can score this game on a score sheet, they wouldn't know how, no, you know, that's what's happened to the game. And that's what concerns me. And that's why I think the pitch clock, it look, it's not the answer to all the ills. But I think it is a start, and I think it's something that really needs to happen, and I really hope it does. Just saying. Yep. Okay. Well, good. Thanks yep. for chiming uh, in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel like I'm doing my radio show in the morning yeah, by yourself. Oh, no, we're yeah, just. Yourself, yeah. You can't hear us nodding our heads. Okay, we got this. No. Is this is radio, not TV, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, and and frankly, and. By the way, if people could see the three of us, they're, yeah. really, they're thankful it's radio. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Just saying. Just although, saying. Although Eric is a good-looking young guy. I, I will say I that. know. He's the youngest of three of us. If they yeah. if they really like bald-headed guys, we are the podcast. We, that's Probably right. We, we have that market cornered, baby. We should be called yep. the cue balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Next. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's let's end the uh, with a discussion, um, and it's not a pleasant discussion necessarily, uh, but there is a better than average chance, I would say, better than fifty fifty chance that we have a work stoppage starting on December the second. 
It would be the first work stoppage in Major League Baseball since 1995. Mm-hmm. And the last time that happened, if you remember, we had no World Series that year. Right. Ooh. With the, you know, and, and here's my concern, guys. You know, the only inf- news we're getting is the stuff that Major League Baseball wants to leak to the shills like Ken Rosenthal and those kind of guys that they're just carrying the water for the owners. Um, so we don't really know how serious these negotiations are or how wide the gap is. But from some of the comments that some players have made, it sounds to me that the gap is as wide between these players and these owners as the Grand Canyon. And unless we've got evil Knievel in a rocket car ready to jump over the Grand Canyon, I'm not sure that there is solving this before spring training. You know, uh, I don't know how you guys feel. I'm just concerned that that uh, it's kind of a almost a microcosm of what's going on in this country where the country's become polarized. Nobody can agree on the color of grass. So how can we expect millionaires and billionaires to agree on how to split up money? Mm. Yeah, I don't have any good solutions there. Um, but the uh, but yeah, it does seem like they've they've got a lot of pretty big issues that they need. You know, even just like a lot of these on the field issues that they're, you know, um, going to be talking about, even like we're talking about with the game time and the DH and all of these different things that are, you know, are just going to be really difficult to, to, to get done. Even they're probably having arguments about it within the union, let alone between the union and, the owner. So I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, we've got a ways to go before they get close to making some sort of a deal. I think the biggest sticking point appears to be, uh, how the money is divided up. And, you know, some of it's been to talk about the, uh, the luxury tax threshold and major league baseball made that proposal. They floated it through Ken Rosenthal this year about, Oh, well, we're gonna, we're gonna have a minimum, uh, cap. Now you have to spend at least a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to lower the luxury tax threshold to $180 million. And we're going to make the penalties even stiffer if you go over that. So what they're saying is, is that, okay, we're going to penalize the teams that spend and we're going to make it even more onerous for them to go over $180 million. So what has be essentially been a soft salary cap now becomes a damn near impenetrable one. Mm-hmm. Because if the luxury tax threshold, if the, if the tax is like, it goes from 10% to 50% from going over 180, you're going to find far fewer teams willing to do that. So now it becomes a de facto salary cap, which is going to deflate salaries and salaries over the last four years in major league baseball have dropped by about a half a million dollars, the average salary. Now I I have a hard time feeling sorry for a guy that's making an average of $3.7 million, which is what the average is this year. But that's where we are, where four or five years ago, it was $4.2 million. So the players see the salary shrinking, but the owner's profits going up. And they're saying, hey, wait a minute, because without us, you got nothing. And that's the problem. Yeah, that's a pretty big problem. I mean, you know, and that's the union's job, right, is to protect those salaries. So um, you, you can't expect them to say, well, that's fine. You know, what's a half million here, half million there, you know, we'll we'll just let's let this one slide. Yeah. So there's, there's going to be some conflict there. And last time there was a strike, how long did it take to recover? I mean, I remember living in Baltimore and yeah. thinking Cal Ripken helped get baseball 
you know, it's respect back, you know, after the yep. strike and everything. And because in this day and age, like we've talked about, baseball is not drawing a lot of younger uh, viewers, and then they get disenfranchised by uh, uh, if it's not on, they're not, you know, they don't have anything to get right. excited about. Um, yep. And I didn't know that the baseball owners were making money. I mean, they they cried so bad last year during COVID that they were losing they're so make, much. They're mm-hmm. making so much money; it's not even funny. Yeah, they're you know you know, and here's the thing. I mean, um, that's my biggest concern, and that's where if if you if these guys are smart, they get together and say, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, we're arguing over you know a half a million dollars here or there, but if we stay out for too long and we drive the fans away and they don't come back. And there are fans that did not go back after the 1995 strike for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. What kind of long-term are they going to do to the game, which is already the, probably the third most prestigious professionally. The only thing, I mean, the NBA and the NFL are well ahead of major league baseball in terms of popularity, whether you like it or not, that's the, the case. You know, they're only ahead of major league soccer and the NHL. You know, so they're in the middle of the pack and, you know, what kind of risk are they running if they stay out for too long? Hmm. Yeah, they got to get it figured out. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other part of it is where they were talking about that minimum salary, you know, we had to spend a hundred million dollars. You know what? Tampa Bay Rays are saying, well, how do you have the right to tell us that? Look what our salary was this year. And by the way, we made the playoffs. Right. How about that? Yep. You know, and they, and you know, the Oakland A's for years spent under a hundred million dollars and guess what? They used to make the playoffs all the time, you know, mm-hmm. you know, but of course for every one of them, there's a Pittsburgh pirates, but you know, <laughs> right. I'm glad you, you know, didn't so, say Detroit tigers there. Thank you. Yeah, well, no, no. Well, it, you know, I, I was, the, the tigers had a nice year this year. Yeah. They didn't make they the did. playoffs, but the tigers, might have, you know, and if it weren't for some other great stories in Major League Baseball, A.J. Hinch would get, would get some votes for Manager of the Year. Yeah. Because I think what he did with that young team, I think, is impressive. You know, but but I'm just concerned. I'm, I'm really afraid. And, and you know, and think about all these guys, these high-priced free agents, guys like Carlos Correa, ha, 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 that might have to sit on their hands for a while <laughs> and not be able to sign a contract with anybody because they're, they're going to get locked out by the owners. And that's the most yep. likely thing is the owners will lock them out before they can strike because the strike would happen during the season. The owners can kind of take it under their own control by locking them out as of December 2nd. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, but it's sad. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what the answer is, but uh, I'm sure Eric, you, you probably could get in there, knock some heads together, and get them squared away. <laughs> yeah, I'll take this. I'll take this one, yeah, guys. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll report. I'll report back yeah. on the next next show and let you know how it's going Uh, that would be great well that's going to do it for us here today uh we will be back in a few weeks i'm going to be traveling back and forth we uh we're going to be moving uh our uh, our house and my my radio studio and everything to north carolina so we'll be back in a few weeks as as soon as we can but for paul arnold eric braun i'm gene gums thanks for listening to the boys of summer